0: If you're feeling redeemed, you consider especially our Gospel lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, and boy, have I had a story for you it's that it never happened before in my whole entire life. Somebody sent me a check. A uh, check. For $2 million, right? And so you know what I did? I came to church. We have a laminator. I laminated that puppy. Caps on the end, put that thing inside of it, and I a the whole buried in my backyard. Whew! And get that off my chest. We'll talk about that check later, but two million dollars would have been about the amount of value of one talent. To make the math simple, one talent worth approximately 20 years of, of wages. And this master who's going to the journey says, here's a check for $2 million. I want you to do something with it. And there's that one guy who's like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bury this puppy in my backyard until he gets back. How foolish. How ridiculous. Just handing out checks like, $2 million dollars I want you to be my financial advisor take your three and a half percent fees off the top and I want you to make this last so that it becomes a foundation or an endowment I want you to do something with it that all moves. he's not that was like the smallest check that he handed out he also um, called in some other servants here's another servant who got two talents two times two million is four million dollars another the one who had the education, perhaps, with one who at least had the insight. He got five talents. Ten million dollars. That check shows up in your mailbox, hopefully certified. What do you do with it? How would you invest it? Because this guy who's going away, he doesn't need the money for the foreseeable future. He is going away. And he's just writing out checks left and right. Here's um here's ten. He doesn't need it. He's going to live somewhere else. He doesn't need the cost because he's already purchased the yacht and the villa. He's got the servants lined up and there's nothing for him to worry about. He wants a return on the investment. So, what would you do? Would you call up your thriving guy? Hey, Derek, or Derek, or whoever. Can you help me out here? I've got time. Uh, yeah. Can you help me out here? I have to put this in a mutual fund for a while. Maybe an index fund, maybe a money market, something that is uh, relatively safe, um, but guess, you know. If I could do six so percent, that's fine. Maybe you'd say, well, I've got a deal that I know. Uh, I know there's going to be federal money coming to downtown Toledo, and so I'm going to purchase up some property there, and uh, it's going to be fantastic as long as it. As long as the ball bounces the way that I need it to. Maybe you'd say, well, cryptocurrency, and I've only heard about that one Bitcoin, it's like magical money in the air. But uh, maybe I'll just buy that and hopefully that it takes off to the moon, right? Maybe there's some um, hotels or golf courses that need some rebranding, and you're gonna buy that and redevelop them. Maybe you say, well, I hear there's this guy in Omaha who's done pretty well for himself. And I'll go talk to him, see if uh, Berkshire Hathaway can help me out a little bit. What would you do if it were a check for two? And the person who gave it to you, Jeff Bezos or whoever, doesn't need it. To you and me, that's a, that's a life changing sum. To you and me, that is an amount that is like, wow, you know, let me sit down for a minute. To put it to use. Doesn't matter how, no stipulations on that. Um, hopefully, it's all above board. Hopefully, it's all something legal, and hopefully, I get a decent return on it and he can figure it <clears throat> back out, right? And how fun is to laminate that check, bury it in your backyard, and say, not today, not now? I'll think of it later. Maybe when I will a little, when life slows down a little bit. I'm Just think about this. There's that one servant. And, you know, putting the the meaning of the parable together, that one servant is the unbeliever in the bunch. God who has withdrawn his visible presence from this earth for a while. That God has distributed distributed his gifts liberally and freely and without reservation. He wasn't holding back. But the one unbeliever in the bunch said, you know, you are you've got demands and I've got this hang up about church and I just feel like you know he's got a whole lot of demands on and stipulations on how I should live my life so here that's the unbeliever in the bunch the one talented dude who buried it we see how he ended up he was thrown outside to that place uh, there at that place the others. That when we talk about talents here, I, I, I have to double check this in our you know, gigantic unabridged dictionary at home. I'm fairly certain that where we get our modern English word talent, like skill or ability, comes from this parable. This parable where he talks about talent as a unit of weight. And this talent is a weight. <laughs> and this talent, um, and then, by extension, comes to mean, in our minds, our talents, our skills, and our abilities. And what he's talking about here is not the gospel message, What he's talking about the fact that he has entrusted the truth of the gospel to you and to me, (coughs) because these servants are each given different things, including the unbeliever. These servants are each given different amounts. They are given in proportion to their faith, Thing to invest, and that was a different parable. If we wanted to talk about each one receiving the same thing and being told to put it to use, the ten servants from the Gospel of Luke, or minas or minus, any meaning (laughs) minimum. That is a different parable, where each servant was given the the exact same singular mina and told to put it to use. But this is different given different talents, so that they might invest it while the owner is away. You and I know that our Lord is not away. He has said that he will be returning. How's it going? How's it going for the, uh, the, the investing side of things? And you might say, well, Pastor Hagin, um, you know, I'm not exactly a multimillionaire, so I don't know what you're talking about. is that Jesus has gifted you uniquely and individually with your own set of talents, yes, there's that word again, and skills and abilities, interests, and relationships. He wants you to use it. He wants you to use it um, individually within the the walls and the ministry of the church as well as wherever you happen to be in there. If you've got a particular aptitude for numbers, some sort of a way where you can contribute either to a nonprofit or as your vocation in life, your occupation, find some way where you can use what you have the abilities and interests for. How is it going? I don't want to miss the warning, even from Isaiah. Um, the prophet Isaiah, chapter one, when he starts out, and he just starts out, and how would you like it if Pastor Hagin started his sermon that way? Isaiah starts out his the readings not a dear fellow redeemed people of and gomorrah god hates everything about your wicked life why does needless trampling in my courts isaiah just lights it on fire from chapter one because they had been given so many different blessings from god in addition to the revelation of god's word in addition to the prophets they had been given the the special place that was at the crossroads of the nations they had been given god's blessings and the promise of protection, they have been given all those and unbelief, they squandered them. And kind of what we see is that we work backwards from only those who don't use these things are the ones who don't believe in the merciful God. That's kind of where it comes down to how is it going? You follow that all the way to where it began. How is it going? You have your answer. And you might say, well, what is my relationship to my Lord? Because it's simple, it's simple enough for the Old Testament people to, uh, to go through the motions, to be bringing in their, their sheep and their cattle, their fattening lambs and their blood bulls and goats, um, kind of all that God says there in the middle of Isaiah chapter 1. It's easy for them to do that. And the way Paul puts it in Romans 12 is that it is much more difficult, much more comprehensive the Israelite man, he can he can raise a couple extra goats and donate them to the Lord and offer them in sacrifice. He's doing it by going through all the motions, but the heart wasn't in it. And Paul says, you know what? The standard for the Christian is that much higher. That it's not simply this external animal that you have to take to this place. That the the Christian is that much higher. He says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. And considering that and weighing that, you know, giving up my time, my preferences, my, my wants, my desires in order to serve those who are closest to me. Can I just bring a lamb or a goat instead? Because that would be so much easier. That's like one and done. So, how does it go? You think about this, and you think about um, the particular gifts that God has given to you, the, the talents or skills. Has gone away for a while. And all he has said is, Dear Christian, put this to use. That he has promised to bless it on top of that. That we don't have a stingy master. This hard man described by the, the one talent servant. We don't have a stingy master who is he's, um, he's holding back with his gifts. But you save yourself, but you know. I Pastor Hagan, but I'm not a five talent person. Sometimes that comes up, especially like um, I guess last week I mentioned I had a call to My Cal Montana um, for a if you didn't hear about that yet. And part of the consideration is, is thinking about the particular talents and skills that I got given to one pastor versus another. Um, as well as the opportunities in one place versus another, as well as people there, some people here, particularly my wife, about um, you know where can we work best with God's people to bring a return on what God has given. And so our synod at large said, you know, we want to start new missions, new churches in the next 10 years. The way the math works out, it's actually starting like 75 new missions in the next 10 but we just round up to the nearest hundred, I guess. And the same decision that happens on a synodical level, on a pastoral level, when a pastor is considering a call every six months and three days, is the same thing that happens on a congregational level, is the exact same thing that happens for the individual Christian. It's no different. It's in scope. But the decision-making is the same. Looking at what God has given and the specific responsibilities in their concentric circles. That is to say that those who are closest to you have a higher need from you. And it would be so much easier to say, oh, can't I just bring a lamb and I'll serve my God that way? But God says you serve Him by serving those who are closest to you and then going on from there. That we start by serving those who are married, your spouse, and those in your household, those in your family, those in your congregation, and eventually those in your community. That set of, you know, concentric circles. And that's what God wants in It is simply, how is it going? All I can think of is the opportunities and how much I've got buried in my backyard. The squandered opportunities, and maybe you can think of the same. And if the judgment were simply on the basis of do your best with what God has given to you, do your best and God will do the rest, kind of a theology, then there's no hope and no certainty in that. But the one who's telling the parable is the one who leads the way. The one who's telling the parable shows how much he has given, not simply by going away on a journey, but by taking on the form of a servant and by giving, not here, uh, a couple talents here and a couple talents there, but giving himself. And what is the value, what is the price, um, the infinite value of the blood of God? That this one who has been merciful to you, giving all the things that you have, all the opportunities that you have, and the skills, abilities, and interests that you have, that this one has led the way, first of all, by giving himself. And if there were any doubt of that, just look at the historical reality of the resurrection. The fact that at your baptism you were united to that resurrection or the fact that Jesus makes himself present, hidden underneath his bread and wine one more time for you. And that changes things. That's the one-town guy who's like, well, I know you're a hard man and all I see is my my perception of your um, harshness or of your, you know, business savvy. It completely changes the that God, who is rich in mercy, gave His Son for you and for me to set you free from being chained to your expectations, to set you free from the wonder of how do I serve God and when will another To set you free so that you now look at your life and say, wow, here are the people that God has given to me. Um, here are the people in the congregation that God has given to me. Here is the place where God has called me to serve, um, within my own home, within my own congregation. Here's what that looks like. And even when considering a call, it's the exact same, um, pretty much the same manner of thinking, thinking about you know the opportunities in that place, working with a group of six retirees, of the congregation here, and we've got three guys on our council this year who are younger than me. I haven't been as excited about, something about council elections in a long time, let me tell you. Um, that is a very, you know, at least for my opinion, a healthy indicator of, uh, of a church's health, is having some young guys on the council. Then, considering these things together, that the idea is the same, that each of us. Considers how can I serve my God? Person next to me, how can I serve my God by serving together with the people that I worship? How can I serve my God by um, by serving together with my church body? How can I serve my God by speaking up with the time that I have or the unique relationship? and say, I'd love to see you at at Thanksgiving Eve worship this coming Wednesday. How can I serve my God by saying, you know what, I'm going to find a way to demonstrate love to my neighbor, whether that service is within the, the walls of the church or the ministry of a congregation or somewhere else, whether it's something that somebody else knows about or the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. The bottom line is that our God is... And he says, you're a Christian, put it to work. Because that's what faith does. Now, I don't know what I would do if a $2 million check um, showed up in my mailbox. But so if you can make that happen, well, I'll tell you next week. what I'll do. But bigger question, that our Lord hasn't simply reserved a check for you with Your family, your relationships, the people you worship with, your congregation, your community. And he says, Dear Christian, don't be afraid of the hard taskmaster, slave driver. But look around and say, how can I invest just a little bit more today, this week, next month? Because I want Now when he returns, those words, Well done, good and faithful servant, aren't a mere platitude, but it's something that spoken and echoes in my ears for all eternity. That my son saw it. That he saw what the right hand was doing and the left hand was doing. And it mattered to him. Amen.